Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 25 of Hollywood Week, the podcast. My name is Keenan Culler, and I am joined once again by the heart of Chicago, the almost doctor, and the almost birthday boy. It's Kaysen Culler. Kaysen, how you feeling tonight? Birthday's coming up. What's going on? Wow, what's up, Keenan? Uh, thank you for remembering. That was very thoughtful of you. Um, it's true. My birthday is coming up on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to have the day off, so I'm excited to enjoy it, Uh, maybe go get some ice cream, go get some food. It'll be nice because the past few years, I feel like my birthday has been just randomly, I guess, somewhat interfered with by other things. Not that it was necessarily bad, but obviously last year it was in the middle of a global pandemic. (laughs) And then uh, the year before that, I was in India for a month in the summer. So, I mean, it was still fun, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited this year to actually hopefully be able to celebrate with some friends. I have seen a lot of coincidences in my life, Kaysen, a lot of weird things. And I got to say, the fact that we're recording episode 25, the same week that you turn 25. Wow. What do you say? What do you say to that? That's crazy. I mean, it can't be a coincidence. No. I don't know what it is, but... (laughs) There is something greater than we can comprehend at work here, Kaysen. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Huh. Kaysen, what's up with the weather? How's Chicago? uh, How's the heat? (laughs) Well, as it is in uh, most areas of the Midwest, I imagine, it is hot. I got off the train coming back today from uh, my weekend at home, seeing you yesterday for the 4th of July. Spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. (laughs) Was that going to be a big reveal later? It was, yeah. Oh, my bad. Um, Anyway, it was hot. But what are you going to do? Thankfully, I have air conditioning now. So, Kaysen, I saw (laughs) you this weekend. It was fantastic. We had a cookout um, just really just dominated the town of nay ohio um it was a fun time a fun fourth lot of fun stuff how was your how would you say overall it was how was your fourth it was great yeah i thought it was fun um we got to play a little bit of uh super smash brothers with you know your kids slash my nieces and nephews uh it was good case and mine was great i was uh i was trying new things i was uh smoking funny things (laughs) Um, I was making love out by the lake to my favorite song. Uh, Drinking whiskey out the bottle? I was sipping whiskey out the bottle. Um, (laughs) Wasn't thinking about tomorrow. And uh, I was just singing Sweet Home Alabama all summer long. Nice. I'm glad you completed that entire chorus. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's how my fourth was. Anyway, but it was good to see you, Kaysen. Uh, And we better just dive into the show after that intro. This is... Yeah, I heard you had some fun (laughs) at the zoo this morning. I did have fun at the zoo. Took the kids to the zoo with our sister, Ashley, and uh, brother-in-law, Gavin. Fun time. Great time. Kind of a tragic ending. I tripped and fell over a sign and uh, literally fell on my back on the concrete as my wife and our sister was laughing maniacally at me. <laughs> what did the sign say? Did it say something that would add comedy to the story? It, the sign did not add any comedy, but let me tell you this. I am not making this up, listeners. This is exactly what happened. I was walking backwards like a moron, looking at the children in front of me, and I said loudly, everyone who had a good time, raise your hand. <laughs> Everybody raised their hand. As I'm continuing walking backwards, I then say, everyone who had a bad time, raise your hands. This is when I hit the sign and fell to the ground. So I basically prefaced my fall by saying, if you had a bad time, raise your hand. (laughs) You were asking for it. 
I was asking for it. Anyway, it was like, other than the, the, the fall, um, it was good. But you know, at my age, Case, and you fall down one time, it can take weeks to recover. <laughs> That's true. You got to be careful. I'm sitting here icing my legs like Mickey Rourke when he was filming The Wrestler. <laughs> Nice. Well, I hope you make a quick recovery. Kaysen, this is the Hollywood Week podcast. We drop this each and every Tuesday for your listening pleasure. Before we dive into the show, let's mention the social media game. We got the Instagram page. Follow us over there at Hollywood underscore week for a good time. Bathing suit picks are coming, Kaysen. I just got the Borat in the mail. The Michael Phelps (laughs) is taking a little bit longer. This is made in Taiwan, so you know, uh, shipping delays, but Borat's coming. They got to take their time. Borat's coming first. Get ready for that probably in the next week or so just got to get the lighting right you know <laughs> okay um, i'm sure everyone's eagerly awaiting Kason, but that's not the bread it's sure not the butter that's the facebook group what's up with the bread and butter that's right keenan uh on facebook you can head right over to hollywood week a celebration of movies and television what a great name uh, it's our Facebook page. We have a lot of good discussions over there. Uh, you can stay up to date with all the movies coming out, all the memes, everything that everyone's watching. We had a great um, Scorsese recommendation photo this past week from uh, our our great fan Dan Nolt. Um, Fatty McGee. I got Most a good kick out of that. Most would know him as Fatty one. McGee. Most would know him as Fatty McGee, and uh, it was a picture. At a looked like a video rental store with a sign that said Scorsese recommends, and then underneath it's just the entire Marvel anthology. So <laughs> that one was a uh, pretty comical. I love it so much. Yeah. So there you go. Get on the social media game. Oh, sorry, that's my line, Kason. I forgot to dive in there. Hey, yeah. Kason, uh, that's a lot of heat coming our way with the social media game. But what's the number one reason? The number one reason, Kason, that you would want to follow us on social media. Uh, it's so you can get those questions into us, Keenan. Case every time. Well, no, actually you failed, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago, but yeah, you're, I was going to say every single time you nail it. That's not true. But tonight, you I think the it. season premiere, I, I failed. That's okay. Case and you're exactly right. The number one reason you want to follow us on social media is to get those questions in just like our girl, Brittany Herdick did. She wrote in with a doozy to start off episode 25. What movie character would be the best roommate Ooh, i love that question I love you want it. me to go for it case and tackle it first go ahead now this is honestly one of the easiest questions i think we've ever got wow i think i mean i think i just picked the absolute right answer okay that's uh, a lot of confidence going into yeah, your answer well, let's hear it wait wait do you hear this selection uh the best movie character roommate is obviously gonna be wally from the pixar movie wally <laughs> <laughs> okay, did not, did not at didn't all see, that one coming, see did it going in that direction, no. Because, well, I mean, first of all, he's just a very polite, well-mannered individual. So, I, you know, I mean, you would just get along great with him. Second of all, his literal function and purpose in life is to pick up trash. So what better roommate could you possibly want than one that would just joyfully pick up the clutter all the time? Kaysen, not since someone asked who is an actor that's typecast in a role forever, and I said Joffrey from Game of Thrones, has an answer been so perfectly perfect. Thank you. You're right. (laughs) Perfectly splendid. Perfectly splendid. That's a Haunting of Bly Manor reference. Get on it. Kaysen, I like that answer of Wally. I don't just like it. I love it. I don't even feel like I should give mine now because I can't top it. In fact, 
I actually cheated and I chose a TV character. So maybe this what? is, maybe I'm eliminating myself. Casey, All right, what you got? The only character I could think of to be a roommate, I mean, there's a lot of different directions you could go, but the only one I kept coming back to was Big Willie Style himself, the Fresh Prince. <laughs> oh, Every wow. time I'm like, who do I want to hang with, chill with, shoot some b-ball outside the school? It is none other than Will Smith. He was Carlton's roommate in the pool house. Clearly, they had a bond, a connection. And they did that funny dance. Um, I want the same thing. I want Big Willie style as my roommate, Kaysen. Yeah, that's a great choice. I mean, that would be a really fun. That'd be a fun time too. I went through a weird phase today where I almost said Mrs. Doubtfire, but it would be <laughs> Robin Williams as like Mrs. Doubtfire and then also yeah, as yeah. himself. Because I was going with the cleaning angle too. I'm like, Mrs. Doubtfire, she's very sweet and polite and she cleans and cooks. But yeah, the thing is, why, why would he be dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire when he's not <laughs> around his family, you know? Yeah, that's a, I mean, I don't know. We're playing fast and loose here with the rules. So. Brittany Herdick, I hope you Follow like those answers. Kaysen, you nailed it though. Wally, I mean, when you said <laughs> when you hyped it up and then, then said Wally, I was a little deflated, but you're right. It makes perfect sense. I deliver. Hey, how about a big how about a big Willie style and Wally crossover where they're both our roommates? <laughs> I would uh I would pay to see that for sure. Oh man. Anyway, Brittany Herdick, thanks for the question. Uh Kaysen, let's dive in to the show. As we always do, let's start off with what we've been watching because although neither one of us took a trip to the cinemas this week, I feel like we definitely watched some I I would just say interesting stuff. Yeah, we did. A good mix. It really is a good mix because the the reason I like our lineup this week for uh, what we checked out, we normally are super positive on everything we watch. And I feel like this week we have some mixed opinions on a lot of things we saw. And that's more fun to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Kaysen, we're going to start off with something we both watched, not together separately, but we both watched. That is the Bob Odenkirk, better known as Saul Goodman, uh, action film, Nobody. This Mm. is something that came out last year during the pandemic. I really, really wanted to see this ever since I saw the reviews coming in. It got great buzz, great hype. And uh, yeah, it was written by Derek Kolstad, who wrote the first John Wick movie. So a lot of hype behind that. My biggest question going into this movie, nobody, could Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul convincingly pull off a badass who likes to get into fist fights and gunfights? Um, or would this be a complete joke? Um, yeah. And after seeing it, I, I think the answer is he definitely pulled it off. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. The biggest reason you watch this movie is for the action sequences, the fight sequences, and just the brutality, I would say. And in all those cases, it delivers tenfold. I thought this movie was a ton of fun. Story was flimsy. Story was at times a little too blatant of a John Wick knockoff. But the reason we go is to watch the fights and they were killer. <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. I think that he was way more convincing than I worried that he might be uh, coming into it. And I think that the like the villain character was actually really memorable and fun to watch. I like how they gave him, you know, plenty of his own screen time to kind of build him up. I feel like maybe that was something that the first John Wick was like, you know, lacking a little bit as far as the villain goes to me. I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe I need to watch it again. But I thought that, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, it's another Russian guy. 
uh, he was just really funny and like comically over the top in this movie. Yeah, and the fight choreography is really, really good. I think I was telling you, comparing it to John Wick, it feels a little bit grittier and a little bit more, I guess, down and dirty to me, whereas John Wick is kind of more of that, you know, uh, action ballet, I think a lot of people like to say, where like his movements are just so fluid and clean and he just, you know, headshots everyone. Uh, this was way more like a struggle for Odenkirk to take people out. And I thought that worked in helping out with the believability of it too. Um, yeah, so I really liked it. Uh, yeah, the story's kind of flimsy and it is a total John Wick ripoff, even to the point where they're kind of having little Easter eggs to build up the mythology of like the universe that he's coming from. Um, but it's fine. I mean, again, you're not going to go into this expecting some kind of Shakespearean, uh, tale. Yeah, no, I think the one interesting thing with this movie, it kind of had a weird tone to me. Not that it, like, was too much of a deterrent, but it felt like it didn't really know if it wanted to be taken seriously in a John Wick-type way, or if it wanted to be a little bit more, like, pulpy, comedic, like, we're kind of laughing at this. And I don't know if it ever really figured out the the direction to go in. It always kind of felt like they were at odds with each other, but not to too much of a detriment to the movie. I still enjoyed it and still laughed at times, but did you agree it was tonally a little bit hard to pick up on what it was trying to dish out? Yeah, but I didn't think that was a negative for me at all. I actually liked uh, kind of the back and forth. Like, I didn't find it confusing. I just found it more of a blend. And, um, I didn't really mind it cause I thought it gave you good, like laugh out loud moments. And then it also gave you some good sort of serious moments that, you know, you can t- take or leave <laughs> and treat them as seriously as you wanted to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Case. And that is nobody. You can rent that right now. Finally. Uh, I would definitely recommend this if you're looking for like a kind of a gritty, brutal, good time with, uh, Odin Kirk in the lead. Um, it was great. Yeah. Kaysen, next up, um, I watched this movie and I watched a little bit of it with you, uh, but I watched the entire thing. I think you only saw maybe the first 30 or 40 minutes, but that is the Amazon Prime original movie called The Tomorrow War with, uh, our boy Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, Kaysen. That's right. Star-Boy. This is a sci-fi movie about fighting aliens. How many times have we seen this? At least 7 million. But uh, (laughs) this movie kind of has an interesting twist where the battle is happening in the future, 30 years in the future. So what do we do? We go back in time, okay? Because in the future, everything's decimated, very like apocalyptic. Like I think they said there's only 500,000 human beings left in the planet. Uh, So they figure out a way in the future to go back 30 years and start recruiting people from the past to come to the future and help them fight. So it's an interesting premise. I actually like the premise of this. This movie got pretty weak reviews. Um, a lot of people trashing this, saying it's it's just stupid and terrible. I went in with incredibly low expectations. And I got to tell you, Kaysen, I really liked this movie. Huh. I can't help it. It was dumb. It was stupid. The second you start questioning anything, it all crumbles and falls apart. But I was entertained throughout the entire movie. This feels exactly like a 90s throwback blockbuster. It feels like something like an Independence Day, like a day after tomorrow, like any kind of Roland Emmerich um, old school blockbuster. And I love that vibe. It kind of wore its stupidity on its sleeve, where I never felt like it was trying to be anything like 
you know, more high concept or more like intelligent. It was just, it kind of wore its stupidity on its sleeve. And I like that. So I don't know. What did you think, Kaysen? I'll get into my thoughts a little more, but what do you think of the little bit that you saw? Maybe the first like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, I thought that it was entertaining. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how I feel yet about the premise of it. It just seems so stupid. And it feels like before I even get into the rest of the movie, I have like 50 questions about how this works that, you know, I mean, you can say just forget about it, like don't think about it. But for me, it's like when you're presenting such a trippy sci-fi concept, I wish that it was at least a little bit thought out, which maybe they explain a lot of things throughout the movie. I need to go through and watch, but um, you know, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't like sloppy time travel movies <laughs> personally. Like if you're going to deal with time travel, I want you to, you know, put the put the investment in to try and at least make it uh you know seem airtight so yeah that's but here's the, here's the thing with time travel i feel like with time travel movies or shows you have to go one of two directions you either have to go the christopher nolan tenant route where you are meticulously like or like primer you know things Dark. where they're like yeah, dark exactly on Netflix. It's like where you're so meticulous and so like well thought out trying to explain every detail or you go in the direction of this movie, The Tomorrow War, which is pretty much like, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it just is what it is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I and I know that's not the point of the movie. I guess I thought that like all the characters seem pretty likable. Um, I, I did really, really like the look of the aliens. I thought they were cool. I thought their design was like really interesting the way that they, you know, use certain features of their bodies as weapons. Um, it was cool. It's, it seemed like something that I will definitely finish watching. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Yeah, and Chris Pratt is just obviously incredibly charismatic, a very watchable lead in anything he's in. I feel like in this movie, he was much better in like the combat sequences and just like when the action is hitting than he was maybe in some of the family stuff where it seemed a little too awkward for my liking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as the movie goes on, as it picks up and we get these big action set pieces, he's great. Like he's such a, just a commanding lead presence. Um, so I loved him. A lot of funny stuff in this movie. Like I, the jokes for me hit every time. They they just cast like really good casting. You know, one of those things where the people that were supposed to be comedic were genuinely funny, and then the people that weren't comedic were not out there like cracking jokes. You know. Yeah. So I like it that. Like it seemed like maybe it lives kind of in the same realm as that Tom Cruise movie, Live Die Repeat. As far as like tonally, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, I, I think that that was a better movie than this. Okay. You're talking about Edge of Tomorrow. Or yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> Whatever it's called but now. I would say this lives more in like the oblivion with Tom Cruise. Oh, you know, that. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I see. Anyway, yeah, we don't need to talk too much more about this. But again, The Tomorrow War, that's on Amazon Prime. Really fun time. Like, give it a chance. Just turn your brain off. I think in the first 15 minutes, you'll kind of know what type of movie it is. And you're either down for the ride or you're not. But, uh,. It was fun. It was entertaining throughout. So J.K. Simmons out. is in it. Oh my gosh, and he's funny. <laughs> he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll finish it and let you know my thoughts uh, next week. Perfect. Don't listen to the reviews on this. This is one where I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you, I don't think they understood what it was trying to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Case, and next up, we're going to talk about something that I did not finish, but you did. Speaking uh, of not understanding what it was trying to be. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Kaysen, this is a movie that just dropped on Netflix this week. Um, our boy R.L. Stein from the Goosebumps series, way back in the day, he wrote a more adult series called Fear Street. Um, I never read these books. I remember hearing about them, but I was sticking to Welcome to Dead House, Say Cheese and Die, <laughs> and uh, Night of the Living Dummy, if you get you my liked, drift. Dude. You liked Goosebumps, right? Is it case in saying I like them? That's that's an understatement. Okay. <laughs> do it's like do I like the show Lost? Gotcha, gotcha. Do I like movie trailers? <laughs> Come on, I loved Goosebumps, so I was excited. Netflix is making this. Uh, it's like a three part series. I would guess. I guess you'd call it called Fear Street, and it takes place in three different time periods. So kind of a cool idea. Um, the first one we got is called Fear Street, nineteen ninety four. Kaysen, I'll turn it over to you. What did you think of this movie? Um, now, the opposite of The Tomorrow War, this movie got a lot of buzz. This movie got a lot of hype, and this movie got some great reviews, which is why I was really interested in watching it. We both love the horror genre. Um, did it deliver? What do you think of Fear Street? Yeah, so to me, this is like exactly the same situation as what you just talked about with Tomorrow War, where... I feel like you just have to go into this movie understanding what it is. Because I feel like I did not go into it understanding what it was going to be. And then it took me a little bit to just acclimate to it and be like, okay, I get it. Like, I get what it is. I just need to go along for the ride and, like, enjoy it. You know? Um, it's it's basically like a Goosebumps type thing for teenagers, if they just made it like rated R, they were like, okay, what would like a 15, 16 year old want to see? You know what I mean? In like a rated R kind of slashery goosebumps mythology type movie starring like high school kids. Uh, and I feel like it was actually a really well executed version of that. Again, it's dumb. I think it has a similar dumb vibe as maybe like, you know, the first couple Scream movies as far as just having characters that are like this guy seems like an idiot or, you know, like, like these people are totally unbelievable, but it's like pulpy. You know what I mean? It's just very kind of, uh, goofy. And obviously it has a lot of weaknesses, but as far as just turning your brain off and kind of watching something, uh, not like my highest recommendation, but I didn't think it was bad. So I'm trying to defend it before I know you come in and, uh, (laughs) tear it apart here. Kaysen, first off, the blasphemy on display to even mention Scream in the same breath as this movie. Oh, It's like man. Scream for teenagers, man. Kaysen, th- first off, you're right. It d- This movie bothered me in the way that it directly... I mean, you can say they were trying to pay homage or like pay respects, whatever, to Scream. There are scenes in this movie that are directly lifted from Scream. And it bothered me. I was like, no, 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 you don't get to do that. I know that you're trying to like be in that same wheelhouse. For example, minor spoilers. There is a scene towards the beginning where a character gets stabbed in almost an identical same way as Drew Barrymore at the beginning of Scream. Like That's true. the same scene and everything, like killer chasing her from behind, like coming up, you know, and just uh, stabbing her. There's also a scene in the high school where some punks are like running down the hall with the killer's mask in their hands, like screaming, like just causing like chaos similar to in the first scream when we had the idiots, uh, with the, uh, ghost face mask. So I don't know, as far as the movie goes, Kaysen, I I know what you're saying. I understand like 
it is the goosebumps vibes, but just for older people. But to me, that just doesn't work. It feels like this weird, it feels, somebody else said this, so this is not an original thought, but I completely agree. This feels like a Disney Channel movie that is rated R, which is a very weird. I agree. I totally agree with that. (laughs) My thing is, I could not get over the fact that this felt like a that you know that show Scream Queens on Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it felt like it's just to me it just was too annoying. Like this did not feel like that. Are you comparing it to that? I thought it I, did. I thought in terms of like the scares and the way the killers like attacked and like were moving around, it's just like to me it's like this is not scary. It's just like this is like watching Scream Queens when they tried to make the killer scary and it was more just like uh okay what is this yeah no i really it really wasn't that scary uh the other complaint i have you know what else this felt like i've only seen bits and pieces of this so i am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination this felt like the scream tv show on mtv Mm, i never saw that it just felt too like low budget and not like a 90s throwback. I know Stranger Things is in the 80s. It just didn't feel as like goofy and funny as I think something like this needs to be to work for me. It was just kind of a weird tone, I guess is the best way of describing it. I found a lot of the characters annoying. I really like the younger brother. Like, I don't know what his name was. He was probably my favorite character, but everybody else was just like annoying to me. You know, we didn't have any like standout personalities. Like you compare it to Scream. I mean, geez Louise, like that movie is just full of great characters as far as memorable. This movie was just more like, uh, kind of off-putting. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't really put off by it, but I know what you mean. I'm being very negative. I did not hate this movie. I know I'm like acting like I did. I didn't hate this and I still need to wrap it up. I probably have about 30 minutes left, but I just think like it's one of those things where we, we've moved so far in, in horror, like, you know what I mean? In like a positive direction. And this just feels very lazy to me and very like, yeah, I get the vibe. It's just not for me. Like, I can't... It's hard to watch horror movies like this after seeing greatness, you know? <laughs> like, after seeing other things. Yeah, I know what you mean, but that kind of... I mean, I don't. I didn't really like it enough to strongly defend it, but I guess I'll just say I think that kind of goes back to what I'm saying about just going in with the right expectations. Like, it's not that scary. It's not, like, well-written. It's just kind of a fun thing. <laughs> And like, it's, I don't know, it's like a straight to Netflix, like part one of a three part series based on a series of teenage books written by R.L. Stein. So it's like, you know, I, it, thinking about it that way, I think it's like just fine, <laughs> you know? Case in two, two final questions. Number one, are you excited about the next uh, movie? Because I think that comes out Friday. That's called Fear Street 1978, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll watch it. I don't, I don't know that I'm like, super excited about it but i think that i enjoyed this one enough to at least see kind of where they go with this especially since these are all taking place in like different time periods i'm kind of curious as to how they're going to set the last one in 1666 (laughs) yeah yeah and then case and last question ign uh one of our favorite sites gave this movie a nine out of ten yeah that's it that's pretty intense why (laughs) i don't i mean i need to go back and read the review it's not just them. It's like, I mean, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, I think this has like an 88% or like something pretty high. And it's just shocking to me. I'm like, are we watching? This is definitely the, a case of, are we watching the same thing? Yeah. 
Anyway, that's Fear Street 1994. Maybe check it out if you're uh, if you're looking for some subpar horror. <laughs> wow. Case and next up, we got to talk about a movie that we watched together along with our father. That's always a good time. The trifecta. Oh yeah. Case and that's the Liam Neeson thriller that we've talked about a couple weeks ago. The Ice Road. Yeah, uh, we we did watch this. Did this just come out this week? Or this I don't came even... out, I think, like <laughs> last week. Okay. I'm going. I'm I'm putting on my parka, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you with my ice truck. Yeah, I feel like this movie was uh, decent. I mean, it's not it's not good, but it's like kind of enjoyable to watch with somebody else and just kind of laugh at it a little bit, you know. I, it was you, fun. you you nailed it, dude. Like this is something that was fun because we watched it together. Yeah. If I was if I was watching this by myself, this is on Netflix again. This is called The Ice Road with Liam Neeson. It, if I was watching this by myself, forget about it. I probably would have turned this off like halfway through. <laughs> but it was something that became fun to like kind of critique and poke fun at and just like half make fun of, but it wasn't so terrible. It was a waste of time. It was just very lazily done. It seemed completely like a paycheck movie for Liam Neeson, you know, like just yeah. show up and, and do this. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, it's weird talking about fear street and then this like Netflix, Netflix now seems to have really no hesitation with just putting out like generic fine movies. You know, uh, that are just kind of like, eh, like we know they're not like good, good, but we think people will be entertained by them. So whatever, here you go. Whereas I think that's just such a different mentality from what they used to be with their like, you know, really high profile stuff. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, I don't know. I mean, not to go back to the paycheck thing, Liam Neeson was fine in this movie, but he really did seem like he was just checked out. Like, he, oh, yeah. you know, he was not in like taken mode. He was more just in like, I'm going to show up and say my lines. Yeah, and then, definitely. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne was like not utilized fully, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It was funny, though, because this is the type of movie that kept changing up what it was. And also, this is the type of movie where they're in these giant trucks going across these this Canadian like ice, you know, that's threatening to, to melt on them and they're going to fall in the, the lakes or whatever. And... I, I can't think of a movie I've seen that where you just want some, like you want this vehicle to get to its destination and it is taking forever. Yeah. It's like, imagine you just want someone to get somewhere and like every three minutes, it's like, oh, this happened. So now we got to stop. Oh, this happened. So now we got to stop. Yep. 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 Totally. It reminded me of uh, when I used to drive back from Vegas with uh, my boy, Abe Malik, fan of the show. Um, apologies if you're listening, Abe, but when you drive back from Vegas, you're exhausted. You just want to get to where you're going. You know what I mean? This guy, Abe, every 10 minutes, he's like, Hey, you want to stop and get gas? You want to stop and get some beef jerky? Hey, let's stop and eat here. Hey, I'm thirsty. Let's stop over here. And it's like, Oh my gosh, please dude, just drive, drive the car, Abe, drive the car. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you got to enjoy the journey, man. E something like this that. This movie's anyway. about the journey. It's not about the destination. That's called The Ice Road. That's on Netflix. I think our dad mildly enjoyed it. I don't think it was... It's no shooter, Kaysen. No, of course not. Anyway, Kaysen, final thing we're going to talk about. Let's dive into the world of television. Uh, We're still watching Loki. Again, just to recap for our listeners, what we're going to do with Loki is uh, give our brief thoughts on each episode, and then when it's all said and done, we will drop a full review episode about Loki. Yes, uh, I cannot wait. (laughs) 
after this last episode to do our full discussion. Case, and this was episode four. This really spiced things up. Man, oh man, what did you think? Because we were a little bit lukewarm on episode three. It felt a little too much like side quest the show. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I think we're getting very spicy now. I feel like especially, you know, it's always like, it always feels like a lot of things happened in the episode, but then like it sets up the next episode for even more things to happen. And I just can't tell if that's actually going to be true or if it's just kind of like a false uh, cliffhanger kind of situation, you know, but um, this was a really good episode. I feel like it advanced the story a lot. Um, didn't really answer very many questions, but I would say it did bring up a lot of questions that at least because they were brought up, I think they're going to answer them. (laughs) So kind of satisfying in that way, but also just leaves you wanting to hurry up and see the next episode. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I, I kind of echo my thoughts. This was definitely, I would say this was the best episode so far. Ooh, okay. Uh, I also I though kind so, of but. I kind of echo my thoughts though on last week when we talked about Loki. I'm now pretty convinced that this is not a show that is going to be relevant in any capacity outside of introducing the TVA and really? the time more just like an educational like hey this is how timelines work in the MCU. Well, how you else know? would it be relevant? You mean like you don't think they're going to have Doctor Strange pop up or something? Like is that what I saying? guess what I mean is I yeah, I you're right. I mean that's kind of I just feel like the story is ultimately going to be kind of simplistic. Like when it ends, I think we will get answers like who are the timekeepers? You know, what caused all this, all that stuff. I just think it's going to be very much kind of like a standalone, like, okay, we put a bow on that. It's over. Yeah, sure. I mean, but I guess I know what you're saying. Like, I don't really know what other direction they would go in. I guess the best way of describing it, I don't feel like this season of Loki is going to have long lasting impact on the MCU. You don't feel like in the finale of the show, they're going to like start whatever multiverse disaster is the catalyst for the upcoming movies. Absolutely no. No, no, no. And I guess I I think it's similar to WandaVision where I think when this show wraps, like Loki's character will have momentum from this show. You know, similar to Wanda clearly being a changed person. Yeah. Uh, And I think Loki will be the same. So I think from the character side of things, absolutely. But for the story side of things, I definitely think we need to lower our expectations on any kind of big implications for like the MCU, which we're actually going to talk about next. So I look forward to. Yeah diving into that it's still good you should watch the show definitely i would say for me same level right now as wandavision uh better than falcon winter soldier yeah i would agree with that i would i would actually well i wouldn't agree with that because i would say this is the best show so far we've gotten Uh uh-huh anyway that's loki um a couple more weeks and we'll drop our full uh full show recap case cannot wait Kaysen, that's all we've been watching, but now it's time to dive into my fourth favorite part of the show. <laughs> that's pretty low on the list, man. It's the top three topics oh boy. of the show, of episode 25. Kaysen, we're going to get started. We're going we're gonna to piggyback off of Loki because the first thing I want to talk about is the MCU. Thank goodness. I love have we, ever, have we ever talked about the MCU on the show? No, maybe we should give the listeners like a little, you know, two-hour primer on kind of bring them up to date, you know, to what's going on. Kaysen, I had to decide, are we going to talk about the MCU or are we going to talk about Dune? And I said, (laughs) let's talk about the MCU. We are on the cusp, Kaysen, of Black Widow dropping 
Phase four is already started with the television shows, but as far as the movies go, Black Widow is officially kicking off phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just want to do a little pregame to phase four and kind of talk about where Marvel is right now, where we want them to go, and kind of our uh, hopes, our dreams, and maybe some fears we have going forward. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, this has been two years in the making, obviously supposed to begin over a year ago. And now we are getting, you know, the we're getting the payoff to being so patient, Keenan, because now we are getting, I think, six movies in the next year. So yeah, the the (laughs) floodgates are open, Kaysen. Seriously. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I want to start off by saying, just because I think I still think this is so crazy, we've mentioned this before, if you are Kevin Feige, if you're Marvel, you could not have time, like, you couldn't be in a better position for all of these delays and everything like that to hit you, because we got Avengers Endgame, the biggest culmination of a franchise in movie history, yep. and then we got Spider-Man Far From Home, which was kind of the nice little epilogue to uh, Endgame, you know, yeah. that like put the bow on it. Speaking of bows, um, <laughs> and I and then we it's been radio silence right for two years until Black Widow drops. Yep. Well, other and than the TV shows, other than the TV shows, but it's like, man, what a great cutoff point. I mean, imagine if, for example, like Endgame hit, right? And then Spider-Man Far From Home was the movie that got delayed. I mean, that would be, obviously that would also be bad, but I feel like even that wouldn't be that terrible compared to if Endgame had been the movie that got delayed. Like really, Feige has got to just be thanking his lucky stars that Endgame was able to come out before (laughs) this happened. Yes. Although you could argue that if Endgame got delayed, it would only <laughs> it would be build. the most hyped movie in hi- the history of movies. On like, no, I'm not even joking. I think it might be. I mean, if we had to wait, let's say three years for Endgame, people would be. I don't think. I really don't think it would be something where people would have forgotten. You know, I think they would be just like begging like to see this movie you know yeah and you know that they would not have i mean they would have saved it they would have just had to hold it until it was okay to put it out no question case and so we're gonna talk about black widow we're actually gonna see black widow in theaters we're hyped about that obviously next week we'll have our review on that movie cannot wait to talk about that cannot wait to watch this but case phase four in general where do you want the mcu to go we're already getting a lot of hints at things like the multiverse, different timelines with WandaVision, with Loki. Um, Where do you see things going? Where do you want things to go? Yeah, I like this kind of multiverse direction, sci-fi, time travel-y type stuff. I think I would like it if they started setting some kind of bigger picture up with this stuff um, right away, like they did with Thanos, even if it's just little hints and like sprinkles. Um... It's, it's always cool to be able to kind of imagine, I think, like where things are headed. And I know we talked about how maybe they need to take a break from that for a little bit and kind of go off into different directions and have some like smaller through lines, you know, in different areas. I kind of changed my mind on that, actually, because after having seen some of the shows and now getting hyped about these movies, I feel like it's just satisfying and it makes you want to see things more if you can sort of visualize like a distant endpoint. And obviously with phase one through three, we knew that it was always going to kind of culminate with this like 
Infinity Stone Thanos situation where they were going to get all of them together and that was going to be like the big opposition that they were fighting. So I don't know what that's going to look like with this. I guess my concern is just if we're getting six movies in the next year, I don't want them to just be six of the same thing. You know, I want it to be some kind of progression where it's like, okay, I want to see all of these movies because I want details filled in about the overall storyline, not just because I want to see another of the same type of Marvel movie that's going to be a self-contained story for the fourth time in five months. You know what I mean? That like, that's my concern. So, well, we should mention real quick for the listeners, just so you're filled in these six movies we're referencing, um, in chronological order, we got black widow. Then we got Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Then we have the eternals. Then we have Spider-Man far from home or I'm sorry, Spider-Man no way home. (laughs) Uh, then we have Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. And then we have Thor love and thunder, right? all coming within a year, which is exciting. Kaysen, I totally agree. I've changed my mind as well. I think here's the thing. We're in such a different place in the MCU than we were when Iron Man first dropped in 2008. I think audience expectations are for the setup. We are not in a place where we can see standalone films anymore that have no relevance to anything. I think that the team-ups, the big picture building the next huge villain that is crucial and is almost a must in these movies i'm not expecting that in black widow i feel like that's the one exception because again that's almost more of a let's just tie up scarlett johansson's story in the mcu yeah and that's fine but moving forward like shang chi i think that needs to have relevance to the future of the mcu i don't think i think it is going to be an origin story it is going to introduce some cool new characters but we need there to be something in there that is like okay here we go you know yeah yeah um so so i just don't think we're in the same place where you can put out standalone movies that are not really connected to anything i think audiences go to mcu movies now wanting that connective thread you know yeah and i think that's going to be the difficult balance for feige to figure out is like how how much of that do we need to put in the movies like in shang chi for example you're right like I hope there is some connective tissue there. And obviously we've already seen in the trailer, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know anything, but Abomination fighting with Wong, right? So like characters that we know, and obviously those are fun little Easter eggs, but it's like how much is Feige going to rely on just kind of random, like fun things to throw in there versus actually building an overall narrative. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think that Eternals will be really telling as far as that goes. And I think that Spider-Man and then Doctor Strange is going to be very interesting to see if that is like one self-contained back-to-back through line, you know, or if that's going to be like, if, if those two movies are going to be kind of cornerstone movies for what is coming next. I almost think in a weird way that Spider-Man, even though there's so much hype around it, opening up different realities, we got Tobey Maguire apparently coming back. We got Andrew Garfield apparently coming back, really kind of leaning into the like into the Spider-Verse vibes, but live action. I almost feel like that is not going to be as relevant as we think. I think that's more going to be like, this is something that happened, right? Like 
straight like for whatever reason and then strange is going to be more of the movie where the mcu fully adopts the the like why this happened what is the ramifications like what do we do about it you know yeah because i just always feel a little weird that i know i know spider-man is part of the mcu but the fact it's also kind of creeping yeah the fact sony's (laughs) creeping it's like i just don't I don't know how much weight they put into these movies as far as like wanting them to set up big things in the MCU. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, one thing that I want to say that's really interesting though about Spider-Man uh, No Way Home is just the fact it's coming out before Strange. It, in my mind, the fact we're getting these, these uh, timeline rips and stuff, it seems like Strange would come first to kind of introduce like what's going on. Is he going to be in that movie, confirmed? Yeah, that you're right. I keep forgetting. He is going to be in Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like they're kind of setting up Cumberbatch as, I don't want to say the next leader of the team, but like kind of one of the major players, I guess? Like, Because I feel like they need to start, well, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they need to start selecting like who the main faces of the the MCU are going to be for this next phase? Or do you think they're going to try and really broaden it out to just be like, all right, now we just got like, you know, 20 people (laughs) hanging out. Yeah, that's a great question. I do. I'm glad you asked specifically about Cumberbatch because I totally think Dr. Strange is the linchpin of phase four of the MCU. Okay. I think he is the character that leads them. He is the goat. He already showed what he could do in Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, just... I feel like they really elevated him in those movies. And I think just as a character, there is so much you can get out of him that we haven't even seen yet. And I, I cannot wait to see what he does once like the entire storyline is kind of resting on his shoulders. Yes. Totally. So I do think he will be a big part uh, moving forward. Maybe the biggest part. Absolutely. Uh, now, I don't want to be but too yeah, big of a nerd here, but have you seen any of the stuff coming out about, uh, like, the Spider-Man toys from the Spider-Man movie? Yes, yes. So, kind of some insinuation that maybe Doctor Strange might be a little bit involved there uh, with Spider-Man, and I feel like it would be cool if they actually had uh, Doctor Strange sort of step into that mentorship role of Peter Parker, like kind of, you know, the role that Iron Man was previously in. Um, again, but with Spider-Man being like half Sony, I don't know if they could actually pull that off, but I would like to see that relationship kind of continue. I kind of like that, but at the same time, I feel like once No Way Home ends, I really want Peter to get out of the, like, I need a mentor vibe. Yeah, that's almost like, because that's one of the things that the video game did so well is like, Peter's an adult. You know what I mean? Like, I I look forward to, I really love Tom Holland as Peter Parker. I want to see him stick around, but I really hope once this trilogy wraps, they start letting him be more like of a man, you know? Sure. Yeah. And just kind of less of like the awkward, timid kid and more of like the, okay, like, and I know that, you know, we'll probably get that in No Way Home. That's probably how his arc is going to wrap up, hopefully. But it's like, let him kind of step up and be like, no, 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 I got this. Yeah, totally. You know? Uh, Winston, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I would go ahead. You go ahead first. Cause I was going to launch into something totally different. Okay. Uh, I just want to ask, like, who do you think, what do you think is the direction of this next big segment? Like, do you think we're going to get a new villain who is the big bad guy? Do you think this is going to build up to X-Men being introduced? You know, do you think that's not till later? I, I think it's really interesting that there were so many like blatant references 
to Mephisto in WandaVision. I mean, if you don't know who that is, you'll have to Google it because I'm not going to take the time to explain it right now. But do you think that was legitimately just kind of teasing or do you think that like in the long game, we might actually get some Mephisto? (laughs) Kaysen, even in Loki, mild spoilers for the very first episode, there is a scene where Owen Wilson's talking to a little girl in like the 16th century or something in a church. And she specifically says that the person who came and committed these crimes looked like the devil. Yeah. And then they look at a photo, okay, of an actual devil, right? Mm -hmm. Like on the wall. And it's like, yeah, you could, I mean, I don't want to spoil Loki. Like you could kind of say the culprit maybe could look like the devil with some costume, but like, you're right. I just feel like the, the nods to Mephisto are way too strong. I think we are going to see him. I don't know when he's showing up, but I just, everything I've read about Mephisto, it just seems perfect for phase four. Um, yeah. Maybe Dr. Strange will get introduced. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. I love that idea. And to, I guess to answer your question, yes, I do think we will have another big bad like Thanos. I don't think it'll just be a bunch of sprawling stories. I think it will be like, this is our target. This is what's causing all the havoc. And yeah, I think that we'll have, I I think the big storyline going forward is the alternate timelines. I think that's where it's going. I think that every movie will have touches of that. Thor, Love and Thunder, Ant-Man and the Wasp, you know, Quantum Mania. All these different movies will will dive into that in some regard. Some people think that the time variance authority is in the quantum realm. (laughs) Have you read that? So like somehow in Ant-Man and the Wasp, they're going to be like interacting with it. Very interesting. I did not read that. I love that theory, though. You never know. Anyway. Case, and last thing I want to talk about with Phase 4, what are some concerns you have going forward? Um, Marvel's been killing it for 13 years now. Um, Everybody keeps talking about comic book movie fatigue. When is the bottom going to drop out? Do you think Phase 4 is when the bottom drops out? I don't think it will ever drop out. Let me rephrase that question. I don't think it's going to drop out like, oh, these movies bomb now. But like, do you think we're going to see a little bit of a come down or no? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I definitely do for a little bit just because I don't know how they keep the momentum going after that. It's kind of like a re-establishment phase for them. Uh, and yeah, I just think they need to be careful. I think they need to be careful not to oversaturate themselves with their own movies. I think they need to be careful to let people be creative and not just fall into repetitive tropes that people are now tired of. Uh, which I mean, I'm, I'm happy with what we're seeing with these TV shows so far, but it's like, even when you see them kind of flex a little bit, it's still like Marvel, you know, which is fine. That's the brand. But like even WandaVision still ended like so Marvel-y. And I just worry that when you're getting TV shows and movies like back to back every month, Will it get to a point where it's just like, eh, like, I don't even, I don't even care to watch, you know, like whatever's coming, whatever's happening now. Um, and I think the only way they really avoid that is by having a through plot line that people are excited to see what happens next, not just another thing. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, so far I've really enjoyed the TV shows, but it is definitely a concern. Is it too much? Like, I think we'll know at the end of this year because the movies were special because they're, they're spaced out. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a matter of like being able to miss something and don't get me wrong. I love consuming all the Marvel content I can, but it's like, will there come a point? Like you just said, once we get the eighth MCU television show on Disney plus, it's just like, 
it's too much, man. Like I don't I don't want to see Ms. Marvel. I don't want to see like yeah. uh whatever that female Tony Stark is. It's just like no, like I don't care anymore. Yeah, and especially and I, if it doesn't tie in deeply enough to the the big story. Then it's correct. like why why would people watch that? I think movie-wise, we're in a fantastic place. Television-wise, we got to see. They came out with the heaviest hitters. WandaVision, Loki, and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yep. Like As far as the established characters, we know. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens when like uh, that Ironheart show comes out. Uh, the the uh, What's that show? Oh, Ms. Marvel, yep. obviously. Hawkeye. Haw- I mean, Hawkeye's established, but yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, see. but we're getting his daughter. yeah we're gonna see um i guess my other concern is what marvel does better than anybody are the characters like they understand how to craft these awesome awesome characters and i really hope going forward it's funny because we were talking about setting up for the big picture and having all this connective tissue but i don't want that that to be at the sacrifice of who we're rooting for you know yeah yeah so like Shang-Chi, I'm so excited because that is a new character. And that's why I can voice my concerns last week with the trailers. Like, where is Shang-Chi? Why is he not focused, like featured in his own trailer? Because all the spectacle and stuff, that's cool. We know that's going to deliver, you know, like we know that. But like, there's a million movies like that. Like the reason I love the Marvel movies is because I love these characters. Yes, so totally. That Again, that's why Captain Marvel was such a misfire. It wasn't for me. It wasn't because... The action sequences sucked. They were fine, you know? But it's like the character, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So do you think that, I mean, we've established that Marvel is pretty much committed to making the TV shows major parts of the canon of the MCU, right? Like, you think Feige is willing to totally make them required viewing to follow along? Uh, see, that's one, I mean, that dude, we're going to talk about this for, we might have to skip topic two, that's fine. Uh, but... <laughs> It's one of those things, dude, where it's like, we're going to talk about that, I think, once in our Loki review. Yeah. I feel like that was a little bit over-promised. Me too. That's kind of, yeah, that's why I brought it up, because I was like, huh. It feels uh. like the Disney Plus shows are doing great work for characters. Uh-huh. Wanda, Vision, uh, <laughs> Wanda and Vision. <laughs> um, I feel Falcon. like Falcon, Bucky, uh, obviously john walker uh zemo you know like in obviously loki and owen wilson's mobius it's like all these characters are awesome and i feel like they're in a much better place but the shows themselves are just kind of like okay like they feel inconsequential you know like it just kind of feels like they're there to boost the characters which is fine but it's kind of like to to say they're some super important piece of the puzzle i don't know about that yeah because they feel more consequential in like easter egg ways you know than in like legitimate ways and that's kind of why i'm wondering okay these characters they're introducing in the shows like say right now you know like what's that john rogers or like you know you mean john walker john walker who's john i don't know what i'm talking about yeah john walker uh case and fred rogers was the man with the sweater who talked to puppets (laughs) and uh john walker what's his tom hanks what's his name oh yeah u.s agent um and then like you know in the future like hawkeye's daughter like are these new characters getting introduced in the tv shows ms marvel going to ever be major players in the movies or do you think they're just giving us other characters that'll be like fun side characters in the movies it'll just be more like oh look like there's that person from that tv show you know 
like that's somewhat fun depend, that they're on the team. Somewhat depends on what they do with those characters. Like obviously, USA John Walker in in particular. Like there's rumors he's teaming up with Zemo, um, and kind of doing his own Suicide Squad type thing. So in a movie, whether they, you think? that's what I'm at. That's what I don't know. Like whether they give them a movie or make that a Disney Plus series, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that all of these characters from the the shows, if they appear on the big screen, the theaters are going to go ballistic. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've said that back when Falcon and Winter Soldier was on. If we see like John Walker show up on the screen, we're flipping out. If we see like Catherine Hahn show up, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, if I it's- saw Catherine Hahn show up, I would lose my mind <laughs> in the theater. I mean, that would be incredible. That's what I'm talking about. It's like they did a great job with these characters. Dude, Zemo. I mean, they did such a great job with these characters. Dude, not to keep repeating myself, imagine Owen Wilson shows up oh, like yeah. in Doctor Strange. And he's like, Stephen Strange, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> he rides dude, people up. Well, would go uh, crazy. Yeah. You're going to say he rides up on a jet That's ski? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, anyway. get on. <laughs> we have to get out of here. I'm excited about Phase Four. I can't wait. It all starts with Black Widow uh, coming up, and yeah, I think I think it's funny because that movie has been delayed, and we've been waiting on it so long. And I really feel like that has the least amount of implications for like the future of the MCU. Yeah, uh, I think we just have to be patient. We have to, you know, trust Feige to know what he's doing with the long game. And just accept the fact that, like, it's going to be a slow build. And we were so spoiled with Infinity War Endgame, like, all of those movies around there. You know, it's like we have to just understand that they're not going to dive right back into that level of fan service and intensity. It's going to take a yeah. little bit. You got to build it up, Kaysen. You got to build it up. Anyway, Kaysen, man, we can talk forever about the MCU. I know we could. <laughs> hey, I'm going to make an executive decision. I'm, well, let's still do topic number two of our top three topics of the show, but we're just going to list it real quick. Case in my t- topic number two, I was going to do best summertime movies because we are in the heart of summer right now, and I love me some good summertime movies. Let's quickly just give me some options for the listeners or give the listeners some options. What's some summertime movies they can check out uh, in the heart of July? I mean, of course, I, I couldn't possibly do this topic without mentioning Wet Hot American Summer, a classic, per- um, which got a TV spinoff on Netflix. Uh, I feel like Sandlot is a great summer movie, you know, just feeling the like baseball vibe. Um, I don't know. I'll mention 500 Days of Summer. JGL. Nice, that has summer in the title. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, those are pretty much my my picks i think what do you think casein i'm dropping four summertime movies real fast listeners check these out if you want to feel the vibes if you want to feel the uh just the feelings of summer here we go number one call me by your name timothy chalamet and army hammer who's currently in the federal penitentiary for sex assault don't (laughs) don't think about that when watching the movie but please no chalamet and army hammer call me by your name casein is this a good summertime movie oh i mean for some people It is. It's fantastic. Case in number two, how about Independence Day? Oh, With yes. Bi- speaking of my roommate, Big Willie style, he's back fighting aliens. Pew, pew, pew. Here we go. <laughs> Bill Pullman on the microphone giving the best speech in movie history. Independence Day screams summertime movie to me. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Case in uh, uh, something I have to mention, American Pie Part 2. Um, mm-hmm. I love this movie when I was a teenager. This is about Jim and the boys going, <laughs> Dom and the, this is about Dom and the boys. Dom and the boys uh, no. family. 
it's summertime. They're up in like Lake Michigan or somewhere just having the summer of their lives. Anybody who's my age, uh, anybody who's a millennial, I would say, knows what's up with American Pie 2. Yep. Case and last movie, summertime movie. It's the one that started it all. I got to give a shout out to Spielberg's Jaws, the original oh. summer blockbuster taking place in the summertime, obviously, as Jaws is chomp, chomp, chomping all those meaty tourists, Kaysen. <laughs> That's right. He wants to eat some bikinis. Anyway, uh, we quickly ran through that. Summertime movies. Let's move on. Kaysen, topic number three of our top three topics. Our boy. This guy, I couldn't possibly say someone's our boy more than this guy, Quentin Tarantino. He sat down with Joe Rogan, had a little bit of an interview, and uh, he doubled down, Kaysen, that his 10th film is going to be his last. He is oh retiring. Gosh. Tarantino hanging it up, Kaysen. Say it's not so. It's pretty sad. Kaysen, say it's not he's so. He's an icon. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's not so. It's, it's so. <laughs> Kaysen, you're not going <laughs> to... Kaysen, <laughs> you you did not do a good job of uh, of making me feel better. Anyway, Tarantino <laughs> is done after one more movie. Kaysen, I wanted to talk about our hopes and dreams for Tarantino's final film before he wraps it up. What do you want to see from Quentin Tarantino's last movie ever? Did you? you know, know that- he, he told Rogan he has no ideas. He has nothing figured out. It's all up in the air. So any of our ideas can still make their way into his brain. Uh, I'm just Wikipediaing this right now. Did you know he directed an episode of ER in 1995? <laughs> uh, I did not know that, but I did know he directed an episode of CSI. Correct. Both of those. So maybe he could, you know, dig dig up that uh, experience and try and recreate it into a movie. Huh. His, his final movie <laughs> is a theatrical version of CSI. Oh my gosh, I'd be so sick. Uh, well, I mean, okay, first of all, he had talked for a while about doing a Star Trek movie, right? He did, but I, I think that kind of fell it's apart. It's not happening. I mean, that I, I think his final movie, honestly, I go back and forth. I don't think it should be something way out of his wheelhouse that he's never done before. I feel like I want his final movie to just be like a celebration of his type of filmmaking. So it's hard because I don't know how exactly he does that without just rehashing a bunch of his other stuff. But obviously my favorites of his are the type that are like Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, those type of kind of sprawling narrative movies that are maybe a little bit more ambitious uh, at least from I think a you could argue. I think you could argue, though, Pulp Fiction is not like Inglorious Bastards or Django Unchained. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. It's it's different for sure. But I like that one too. <laughs> so, um, I guess if I had to pick, I would I would go for the Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained type of vibe. Um, here here's what I think, Jason. See if you follow me on this. I think his final movie, just because I like things like like when things come full circle. I want his final movie to be lower, like smaller scale in something in the vein of a Reservoir Dogs, his first movie ever. I want it to be like a lower budget crime, maybe heist movie 
where you get a crew of guys and girls, whoever you want, and it's all of the familiar faces. We get Samuel L. Jackson. We get DiCaprio and Pitt. We get uh, Steve Buscemi. We get Michael Madsen. Obviously, Christoph Waltz is there, dude. Just like all the heavy hitters. Travolta's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be awesome, yeah. And and they're the crew. Like, they're the ones pulling this off. And I want it to be, like, this is all just fan fiction, but I want it to be, like, super... Uh, I want it to be in one day. Like the whole movie takes place in 24 hours, like a Reservoir Dogs, where it's very focused, not like a big sprawling thing like you just mentioned. Kind of more like more one like, of those uh, like stage play vibe movies where you feel like maybe it's a just little bit. dialogue. Yeah, like maybe a little bit. I mean, I still want it to have those scenes of tension that he's known for and stuff. But again, I just want it to almost be like a spiritual successor to Reservoir Dogs where it's just this simple, simple story with great dialogue great characters that are super fleshed out and like you said kind of just what he's known for i feel like i don't we might disagree here i don't want it to be like some historical thing like a inglorious bastards like a django um like a hateful eight you know i want it to be modern day modern correct present day i do not want it to be in a different time period even like death proof i mean it just felt i don't know what year that took place in but it didn't feel modern i I wanted him to do something present day in uh just with with the all-stars you know interesting yeah i mean i'm fine with that i guess it's i feel like his best movies are the period ones to me but uh well what about pulp fiction well i i think that's i like i like inglorious bastards and django better than pulp fiction personally but (laughs) disagree but i okay i mean to each their own i just feel like the other stuff is more what he kind of cut his teeth on and like what he made his name with you know like the the kind of pulpy crime thrillers yeah that's true i don't know i I get what you're saying about the small scale thing but i kind of feel like for his last movie i want him to go kind of big you know like big story multiple locations like let's almost maybe kind of like a Fargo vibe where you're like, you know, jumping around to multiple storylines that converge at the end or more, more like his narrative device in inglorious bastards, you know, where it's like, he's following multiple sets of characters that then kind of somehow in the end, like culminate into something. One really interesting thing that he told Rogan is that, uh, he said he feels no pressure because to him, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was like his biggest movie that he had been, like his passion project, basically. Really? And he said the fact he made that into, you know, like such success, he feels no pressure with his last movie. And he almost looks at his last movie as more of like an epilogue to his career than like a big, like fireworks thing. That's cool. I mean, that's fine. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to. We're going to find out. Tarantino, I cannot wait. Once he drops that case in, that's when we'll drop our definitive ranking of Quentin Tarantino. Is there any chance he just calls the movie Feet? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh man. I hope so, Kaysen. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's just two hours of toes wiggling. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... Him and Luca Guadagnino team up on a, a foot project. <laughs> oh, man. oh my gosh. Anyway, Kaysen, that's the top three topics of the show. Uh, that's what we got. Kaysen, it's time to move on. You know me. Oh my gosh, Kaysen. You know me. I love two things in this world. Uh, what are they? Wait, two things? Oh yeah, two things. What's yeah, the- two things? Come on, come on, Kaysen. I love two things. What are we doing? Okay. What's the first one? Kaysen, number one, I love to connect seven slip and slides, fill it with axle grease and slide down giant hills. Okay. And the second thing, I- <laughs> it sounded, it didn't sound like that was the end of the sentence. 
<laughs> no, that's the that's, okay. That, that's it. Uh, what what happens at the end of the hill? I don't. We don't know. Okay. But okay. Case and the second thing I love are movie trailers. Oh yeah. We oh right. I forgot to put the dates in. That's okay. Nobody cares. Case and oh I'll, I'll uh, find it. I'll the find first. It. I'm the, the fir- internet master here. <laughs> the first trailer we gotta talk about. We, I know you like big old red dogs. <laughs> Hey, did there used to be a beer called Red Dog? Or am I like hallucinating that? No, there's an energy drink called Red Bull. There's Almost a drink called positive. Big Red. Big Red? No, no, no. Oh. The, the, some listener right now who maybe has a drinking problem is going nuts. And they're throwing an empty beer can at their listening device. Oh, yeah, there, I just saying, looked it up. There is. You dang stupid some <laughs> bitch. There is a Red Dog. I, my, my pappy drank it back in the 40s. There. <laughs> Anyway. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. Kaysen, uh first tra- <laughs> no idea what any of that. Oh no, I do what I know I know what it has to do with this. Kaysen, the first trailer we're gonna talk about is Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> Featuring the greatest special effects 2021 can offer. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> when you hire a bunch of ten year olds to do your CGI, what happens? <laughs> Is, is this what happens? Hey, well, let me... T- when I was 10, I played a lot of Mario Paint on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> um, Fantastic game. But I think I created better effects than whatever the hell is happening with Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm in for it. It's got... I mean, it's got Kenan Thompson in it, so what the heck? I mean, you got to do it. I mean, here's the thing. It does have Kenan Thompson. We share a name. And you also got to give it to him because while the dog is horrifying, he is a dog. He is big and he's red. <laughs> yeah, they went and for it. And his name's Clifford. I mean, so you, yeah. you can't really say false advertising. Don't you feel like this is the type of movie where when they're sitting down to figure out what they're going to do, they come to kind of a branch point of being okay, we can either try and make this literally like the cartoon where the dog is like 12 feet high, or we can just kind of, you know, take like a modern interpretation of it and just have it be like a normal dog, you know, that like for some reason is red. And then I guess they were like, well, we got to go for it. Go bigger. It's horrifying though. (laughs) I feel bad for everyone involved in this movie in the same way that I felt bad for everybody involved in Sonic until they did the uh, like you know, redo. Yeah, maybe they'll Be- maybe they'll re-CGI the dog. Because the problem is everybody who filmed this movie didn't know what w- the dog was going to look like. And then it's like when you see the dog, it's just terrible, dude. It's just literally like a dog that they like expanded. You yeah. know on your iPhone when you expand a photo? Yeah, yeah. It looks like they looked at a dog photo, blew it up with their hands, right? And then we're like, yeah, just make him reddish. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pretty accurate. It ain't looking good, Kaysen. No, but am I going to see it? Maybe. Kaysen, one of the most horrifying things that any dog, uh, you know, shows you is the red rocket. Now, we all know what that is. I don't think I have to go into detail. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, now, Clifford the Big Red Dog, I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah, we got it. We got- That's it. All right. Just hope those kids don't stand too close. <laughs> Cliff- Cliff- oh, no. Clifford, okay. Kaysen, moving on. Uh, next trailer is Don't... Br- you okay? Um, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Next trailer is Don't Breathe 
2. Wow. The sequel I, I love, never knew I wanted. I always love movies, like, because now we get so much, like, cleverness and creativity. Like, let's not call it 2. Let's call it, like, Volume 2, Part 2. Uh, you know, some Mamma Mia, here we go again. Yeah. I'm saying, if you just give me the throwback 2, I like it. It's like, hey, it's the sequel. Yeah, it's a sequel. It's about that bad guy from the first one. And that's what this movie is. That's Don't Breathe 2. Uh, I love the first movie, but based on this trailer, I don't know about the premise. What do you think of this guy going to save his granddaughter? I don't know. It's kind of weird because in the first movie, he was a real psychopath. (laughs) So I'm a little conflicted about my ability to uh, get behind him. Very weird. You're right. Because the first movie, like, they kind of make you sympathize a little bit with him. But then by the end of the movie, you realize, like, no, he's insane. Yeah, because in in the first movie, I feel like they give you a moment where you're thinking, oh, maybe he's actually not going to be that bad. You know, and they're like, they're almost flipping it to make you think that you're going to feel bad for him. But then at the end of the movie, with the way they resolve it, they pretty definitively tell you that you should not feel bad for him. You know, like they make a committed decision to make him the villain for sure. And not even the villain, but like an unbelievably grotesque, awful person. Yeah, right. So yeah, the the fact that this sequel, at least based on the trailer, it looks like they're kind of turning it around to where he's like an anti-hero. He's basically going to find, I believe, his granddaughter or like some girl that he kind of took on as his granddaughter. Um... And he's, she gets kidnapped, and he's basically wandering into their territory, fighting them off, trying to rescue his granddaughter. It's very bizarre. I don't know how that's going to work. I guess we'll just have to see what they do with it. But Yeah, know. it'll be interesting. I mean, I thought the, the first one, I also just think it's more, it was fun in the first one because he was blind, and so... Like, it was creative with how they were trying to avoid him by being quiet, almost like a quiet place. I don't know if it'll be as interesting to see him as the protagonist with that kind of gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, Great point. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. That's Don't Breathe 2. Again, apologies. I don't have the release dates pulled up. but August 13th, know. I think. Coming Good job, Kaysen. August 13th. And Clifford was in September, so you'll have to wait a little bit. Hey, Kaysen, I want to see a double feature of Clifford the Big Red Dong and Don't Breathe 2. <laughs> I'm down. Case the next trailer we got to talk about the oh man the many saints of Newark the prequel to the Sopranos. Um, I got to tell you, I only so I watched the first two seasons of the Sopranos. Okay, that's my only knowledge of the show. Really liked it. I uh, just kind of fell off the wagon. Would like to go back and finish the series. But um, what did you think of this trailer? I think it's awesome. Gandolfini's son is playing Tony Soprano as a young man. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. As far as Um, the trailer, though, what's up? Were you into this, not really being familiar with Sopranos? No, I mean, I don't know anything about Sopranos, unfortunately. So, I mean, I I like the cast, obviously. It's got Bernthal and Vera Farmiga, so obviously one-two punch. But I just don't know, like, I don't really connect with this kind of thing, usually. Like, uh, this is a real genre of movies that I feel like a lot of people love that I am just a little bit bored by so uh like even like stuff well i don't even i don't want any hate mail so i won't even talk about it but uh were you about to mention (laughs) casein let me just get to the bottom of this were you about to mention 
Marty? No, no, no. I would ne- I would never defile Marty's name like that. Case, and if we all go all the way back to, I believe, episode 10, I reviewed The Irishman three and a half hours of cinema, <laughs> and you reviewed Scooby-Doo 6. So... <laughs> I I don't, I don't know, know what's that. going on, Kaysen, because I feel like you were about to name drop Marty. I was close. But uh, yeah, this mo- Newark movie, I mean, I don't really have any interest in it. I don't know. What do you think? I think it looks okay. I, I'm not a big fan of the glossy, like, throwback cinematography that we get with a lot of these movies. I even feel like The Irishman kind of suffered from that. It just, I don't like the look of it. Uh, I Again, though, I love Gandolfini, uh, R.I.P. I love his son playing Tony Soprano. It's a really cool kind of, like, uh, thing. I mean, just the fact that his kid is playing a younger version of his iconic character. Uh, I don't have too much else to say other than I agree with you. I love Barenthal. I mean... Like we said, he's my boy. Uh, Vera Farmiga can do no wrong. So great cast. It's just like, we'll see. This is directed by Alan Taylor, who uh, did some stuff with Game of Thrones that was great, but also directed Thor The Dark World, which featured the Dark (laughs) Elves. So he can rot in hell. (laughs) Yeah, tough. Tough one. Case and last trailer we're going to talk about. When's this come out? When's when's, uh, Saints of New York come out? Oh, shoot. Not doing my job. One second. (sighs) Uh, it comes out uh, uh, October 1st. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Kaysen. Last trailer we're going to talk about is our boy John David Washington. Okay, okay. My Washington, man, my man. Washington Heights. Um, he is coming out with a movie called Beckett. This is a Netflix movie that actually looks good. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I thought this looked super intriguing. Produced by our boy Luca. Yes. Uh, from Suspiria and Call Me By Your Name fame. Um, Beckett looked awesome. I love John David Washington. I feel like every time I see him on screen, I'm just like, give me more of this dude. He's awesome. The protagonist, Uh, man. This looked like another protagonist type movie, right? Where it's kind of like a spy, not spy, but almost like a, just a thriller where he's on the run in Europe or in Greece, I believe, trying to like escape (laughs) some guys. uh, I don't know if they're falsely accusing him of a crime, but he's trying to get to the U.S. embassy in Athens. Uh, the locale just looks awesome, like really beautiful, stunning. You can tell they filmed on in location, which is always, you know, <laughs> a plus in my book. But what do you think of Beckett? Yeah, I think it looks amazing too. I mean, once again, the cast here ridiculous. He's got he's uh he's got with him Alicia Vikander and Vicky Creeps, who if you or however you say her name, who is from Phantom Creeps. Thread. Vicky Kaysen. Creeps. Vicky Pancakes, Kaysen. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I thought it looked really good too. I like the trailer a lot. Um, again, it's on Netflix, so it's like, watch it for free, basically. Why not? Hey, that that's the thing that sucks now about Netflix, is just seeing that, I'm immediately like, oh no. Yeah, right, right. But it looked good, and again, John David Washington, let's go, man. Let's go. That's coming out, uh, August 4th, pretty soon. Kaysen, that's coming up. That's called Beckett. So, Kaysen, trailers we got. We got Clifford the Big Red Dog, Don't Breathe 2, Many Saints of Newark, and Beckett. Check out those trailers. Let us know what you think. Perfect. Kaysen, moving on, let's talk about two things coming out this week. The big one that we obviously alluded to earlier, that is Black Widow. This movie has been delayed, delayed, delayed. But just like Dom and the boys... She's ready to go. Uh, She's finally coming out. I cannot wait. You have tickets for Thursday. I have tickets for your birthday, Saturday. Oh, 
Can't wait. And we're both seeing this in IMAX. What quick thoughts, where are you at with Black Widow? Um I am excited to see it. I am trying to be very hesitant about my expectations for the quality. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be enjoyable, but I am now at the point where I don't think it's going to be anything, uh, you know, top tier in the Marvel catalog. Yeah, I'm really excited, but again, I'm trying to temper my my expectations and lower my hype a little bit. Uh, I think this is, you know, everything we've heard and people that we trust and respect, they're not too hot on this movie. So I think it's good to go in with lower expectations. I look at this as being like a mid-tier MCU movie, and there's nothing wrong with that. From the moment Black Widow was announced, I never thought this was going to be some elite, you know, top five type MCU film. Uh, And I think it's going to be a good time. I'm still excited about it. And again, I think some of the negatives we've heard, it's good to go in with lowered expectations because we can only be pleasantly surprised. Definitely. Uh, Case and the other thing was Fear Street, which we already talked about. They're already dropping the next part of this three-part series, Fear Street 1978. You think you're going to watch this? Yeah, I'll probably check it out. I actually don't really understand, like, if it's just going to be set in a totally different environment or if the main characters from the first one are going to somehow, like, time travel. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that it's a new cast based on what I saw. Gotcha. Okay. We'll see. Uh, this one looks like they go back to, like, camp, so it's like a Friday the 13th kind of vibe. Where it's That's like- kind of weird, though, because the first one definitely ends in a way where... They already they covered that, kind of? No, but where they make you feel like those characters are going to, should be in it again, like to resolve things. Oh, then maybe they will. I might be totally wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, well. Anyway, let let's know. go. That's Black <laughs> Widow. Go see that in theaters. And that's Fear Street 1978. Maybe watch that if you have a concussion. Cason, uh, <laughs> final part of the show. Oh my goodness, it's my favorite part. That's the mailbag. Let's dip into the bag and see who wrote us. All right, here's the mail. Case and first up, our boy Matthew Eddington, he writes in with a fantastic question. He says, what's the best example of a supporting actor in a movie carrying the film? Ooh, good question. Um, I have two I'll answers. Go I'm going to let you okay. go first. I have two answers and they kind of mirror each other, which is interesting, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is kind of a boring answer because I think anyone would think of this first, but... Obviously, I got to go with Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. I feel like that is literally the like prime example of a movie that is defined by a supporting actor. So, Case, and that was also <laughs> one of my choices. You're right. That's an incredibly obvious choice. But the I, I think there's so many examples. Like we could we could list so many, so many, so many. But yeah, Ledger is obviously the biggest one, no question. The reason I want to go with something else though is because I feel like he carried that movie to a degree, but that movie was already fantastic. Like there were a lot of good things that were not just Ledger, you know, but he was so good. I will say he was so good that he pretty much dominated Bale, you know, where it's like, yeah, Bale's Bruce Wayne Batman was so to me like muted and not really a factor in his own movie that it was like, I don't know about this. So, yeah, like I, I agree that the rest of the movie had good elements, but I, I don't think that any of the other characters were really, you know, like on even close to him. Correct. But. So, the, I mean, the thing is, because we just I just crapped on Bale, I want to go I want to throw Bale some love. Oh, 
Kaysen, for some reason, dude, I don't, this is like a kind of obscure movie, uh, okay? And I just thought of this instantly uh, before I even thought of Ledger. And then I thought it worked out because we can give Bale some love. Dude, the movie The Fighter with with Mark Wahlberg as the boxer, two guys from Boston, brothers, Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. I think Amy Adams is in that movie too. This came out probably in like 2010. But Christian Bale's performance is so good. I just feel like he dominated that movie to where Wahlberg, who's fine. I mean, Wahlberg's always kind of just, he's, he is Wahlberg. You know what I mean? But <laughs> Bale was just chewing the scenery. And I wish I could remember his character's name, but he lost, of course, a ton of weight, was very like tripped out on drugs a lot of the movie, but like you still kind of liked him. It just his performance was awesome. So I want to give some love to Christian Bale and the fighter. He's really the only thing I remember about this movie. And I'm pretty sure he won an Oscar for that. Interesting. I think you're right. I remember that movie being up for a decent number of awards. Uh, I actually never saw it, unfortunately. So and Kaysen, to continue the tradition, since I just crapped on Mark Wahlberg, uh, he didn't in no way did he carry this movie. Don't get me. Don't get it twisted. I want to give a shout out to Wahlberg and The Departed because he was a supporting <laughs> uh, actor in that movie, and every scene he was in was killer. He was just shredding. So Wahlberg can bring it too when he wants to. Yeah, when he's not busy uh, doing <laughs> fighting Transformers. Hey, yo, I think I, huh, I think it's a Transformer. <laughs> uh, anyway, Matthew Eddington, thanks for the question. Fantastic, uh, fantastic question. Kaysen, here we go. Our girl, Emily Hurst, wrote in. Oh, I know her. She's got a doozy, Kaysen. Are you ready to address <laughs> this? Yeah, give it to me. Here we go. Emily Hurst wrote in. She says, if you could choose your all-star movie... Who would you choose as the director, the lead actors, the supporting actors, what genre, where would you film it? Kaysen, give me all the details. I like this. What is your all-star movie? What's the vibe? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, I mean, obviously, th- this would never actually happen. It's all hypothetical, but I feel like I would just love like a sci-fi movie directed by Denis Villeneuve starring like... Chalamet, you know, I'm thinking like Oscar Isaac, maybe Batista in there. Oh, wait, wait I feel like I feel like this sounds familiar, Keenan. Is there is there anything like this already? <laughs> Kaysen, that our all-star oh, movie is already man. made, dude. We're just waiting it, for it to come out. It really I mean, honestly, I can't think of a much better a better collaboration of all-stars than that. But uh if I have to steer away from that Dune pick, which we did find a way to incorporate into this episode, I'm thinking like legit all-stars. I'm thinking like legacy, you know, people here. So I'm going Spielberg. I'm going, he's directing a drama starring Daniel Day-Lewis, which I know happened, and Olivia Coleman. Those would be my all-star combo picks for, you know, the leads. And then I would love to see Chalamet and Florence Pugh get in there as the newcomers, you know, kind of like the... The younger generation, I know they were already in Little Women, but I feel like uh, they have room to take an even more active role. So I don't know what the plot would be, but that would be my cast. And uh, I'm imagining this movie obviously being filmed somewhere in England. Um, I don't know where, maybe like out in the countryside in some manner or something. It's kind of the vibe I'm going for. Kaysen, I love it. And and it's funny because we're kind of tapped into a similar wavelength. So yeah. 
What you got? Here's what I'm thinking, Kaysen. Obviously, my all-star movie, my two leads, Gimme Chalamet, come on down. Gimme Florence Pugh, come on down. You are okay. my two leads, Kaysen. Their scenes in Little Women, dynamite. I want more yep. of it. Kaysen, my movie is kind of a... I don't want, this is in no way a reimagining, retelling. This is just the vibe. It is a Romeo and Juliet vibe, Kaysen. It's set in present day. It's set in, let's say, kind of like a coastal town, like kind of like San Junipero, Black Mirror vibes, Kaysen, but it's modern day. Here's the thing. We got two crime families. On one side, we have Chalamet. On one side, we have Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh is not associated at all with the crime world. She's almost oblivious to the fact that her father is even doing this kind of stuff, Kaysen. Who who is Florence Pugh's father? I'm going to tell you right now, it is a seasoned and grayed out John Barenthal. (laughs) Okay. Okay. They're going to make him look a little older. Kaysen, on the other side, Chalamet, his family is dead except his two brothers who basically run the crime business with Chalamet. It's these three guys, okay? So he's involved in it. Get ready. Yes. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of my plot real quick. Okay. Oldest brother, obviously Jared Leto. No question. He, oh, wow. He okay. is the kind of father figure of the family, okay? Middle brother. Is he like a, a psycho or is he more toned down? Kaysen, this is Jared Leto in classic Leto mode. And I'm talking three-piece suits, slicked back hair, fully shaved, clean face, okay? Gotcha. This okay. is him like in full, like... I am a businessman, but I will cut your head off. I got okay. it. Awesome. Brother okay. number two, Robert Pattinson. He's the middle brother. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. He, the whole family has the same vibe. That's the point. They're all very like well-dressed, well-put-together like gangsters, okay? Yeah. Who run this crime family. Chalamet is the youngest brother, Kaysen. I want to immediately establish in this movie, Chalamet is a cold, is a stone-cold killer. This is not the case where Chalamet is like the timid, meek, youngest brother who's like, eh, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. He is yeah. in this world, dude. He's down to ride, okay? Okay. How old are they? Like in their 20s? Well, Pattinson's, uh, it's like they're real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pew, no, I mean, Chalamet and Pew. Yeah, they're, like, they're not supposed to be in high school. No, no, they're no. Like they're, they're like in their adults. 20s. They have like job. Okay. I mean, Pew has a job and stuff. Okay. Okay. The plot of the movie real quick is that Chalamet, through a series of events, I'm not going to get into the whole plot. He is sent to kill Pugh, okay? Oh, wow. It is is like a statement. Exactly. It is like, hey, go get this girl and like bring us her head. You know what I mean? Uh What happens, Kaysen, when he starts tailing her, he falls in love. Ah. And it's a classic case of like, hey- Leto like slapping Chalamet in the face like what's wrong with you you know like you know what are you doing and it's this pressure of like what is he going to do and it keeps coming to and the reason I want to establish him as a killer is because this is not a case where we as the audience thinks oh of course he's not gonna kill her like you know it's more like no no he is the killer like it's more just a matter of like will he do it you know Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. And Pugh okay. is more like the innocent, like, I have nothing to do with this business. Like, my father isn't my father. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yep. I don't know what you're talking about. Wow, I like that. Who's the director? Well, I immediately, I, I didn't really have a director because immediately I thought Denis just because I love him. But I'm like, I don't know if Denis would really fit this vibe. Yeah, man, yeah. 
Tough. You know, I don't know. Scorsese, like, man. It sounds like his Nah, real- he's too old. I need somebody like young. Like I almost, I mean, this is probably a stupid person to choose. Almost like a Sofia Coppola. I know she's not that sure, young sure. anymore, but like somebody who's really going to get to the heart of like the, the emotions, you know? I want this to be yeah. like emotionally powerful. Maybe that dude who directed Waves. <laughs> oh my God. Kaysen, you nailed it. Per- that's it. <laughs> Trey Edward Maybe. Schultz, dude, is my, the director of this movie. There you go. What do you think? Oh. You like that premise? I love it. Yeah, I, that was very detailed, and I actually liked it a lot. I like even just in you telling me the story. I want to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh dang! Like, is Bernthal gonna kill Robert Pattinson? What's gonna happen? Oh, dude, I gotta, I gotta get into the fanfic. Uh, yeah, community. yeah, seriously. Anyway, finish it out. Emily Hurst, fantastic question. There's two All Star movies, but r- we know the real <laughs> All Star movie is Dune coming out in October. It. Is, I mean, yeah, it is. Case and final question of episode 25, our boy Gavin Gardner, our brother-in-law, dude, he wrote in with a doozy to wrap it up. He said, what is a favorite movie from your childhood that you would like to see remade? Wow. Uh, this was a tough one, Keenan. I, but after seeing the work they were able to put into Clifford, the big red dog, it was pretty easy. <laughs> A movie that I feel like never gets enough love that I used to be a huge fan of as a kid is the Aristocats. You familiar with this movie? Of course, dude. Everybody Everybody wants to be a cat. Everybody. Yes. Uh, Big fan. Love the music. I would love to see some kind of reimagining of this. I don't know if, I don't know how they would do it. I don't have a vision in mind. It could be CGI. It could be like, you know, real people with like real cats that just walk around and then just hear their voices. I don't know. It would probably be goofy. It would not be top tier, but I would still love it. Uh, Kaysen, that's amazing, that's dude. Would it, but would it have Judy Dench in a full <laughs> cat CGI costume? Maybe they could just make it with the same cast of cats. James Corden's coming in, dude, to wiggle his cat <laughs> yeah. butt. That's right. Good choice, Kaysen. I'm going to go with this. Might be this might be crazy to some people. Look, one of the biggest movies when I was a kid was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think this dropped oh. in 1990. This movie was awesome, gritty as hell. This was a perfect. So you're almost saying, why would you remake it? But the thing is, Kaysen, <laughs> I want a almost less of a remake, more of a spiritual successor. Get rid of the Michael Bay trash. I don't want to see the CGI turtles. Give me back those costumes, dude. Make this more of a gritty, down-in-the-dirt retelling of the turtles. That's what I want. That's what I need. And I feel like everything that's come out since that turtles movie has been garbage. Yeah. So it's just they like get get back on track. Yeah, it's like once you gave us the goods, why did you abandon it for the cartoonish BS of like Toka and Razar and them traveling back to Japan in the 1600s, dude? Nobody wants that. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a great pick cuz I feel like that is a franchise that is really like been difficult to get right for people in the past like decade or more, you know? Yeah, and I feel like by today's standards, the sad thing is if you think of remaking it, we get the Michael Bay movies. Like we get the corny, like just yeah, bad CGI BS. It's like, no, no, no. Like give me the costumes, man. So I'm They thinking, should, I mean, they should get the team that made Sonic, I feel like, to do that. You think? No, because like, Sonic no? is CGI. Like you need like, I mean, this is stupid, but you need like a wizardry of practical effects like Del Toro to like make a Turtles movie. So you just want, like, a guy in a turtle costume? Yeah, I mean, that's what the originals were. Like, I mean, they were in costume, like Jim like Henson. Like, with a head, too? Oh, yeah. 
Yep. Okay. It gotcha. looked awesome, dude. Like it looked as good as you could imagine the turtles looking, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. That is okay. what I want, dude. Let's do it. Teenage Mutant Ninja. That's what Turtles. he wants. Gavin Gardner, thank you for the fantastic question to wrap up episode 25. The mailbag is done. Before we say goodnight, as we do every single episode, let's drop the MVP of the week. I got got two potential choices, Kazen. Yeah, this one was hard. I feel like nobody really, like, stuck out to me a ton as far as things I watched them in, but... I think I'm just going to give it to Odenkirk because even though his movie didn't come out this this week, I feel like uh, I watched it this week. I was really impressed. I think he expanded to a totally different genre, obviously. So I think it's promising for him that he's able to do something like that. And I'm happy that he got to make the movie. So I'll go Bob Odenkirk. Odenkirk was one of my choices. And because you picked him, I will not pick him. I'm going to go with the nine-year-old second grader who did the CGI on Clifford the Big Red Dog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> he was terrible. Uh, Kason, I'm going to go with my boy Chris Pratt. I love Chris Pratt. I thought The Tomorrow War was not a fantastic movie, but it was great for what it was. It was enjoyable. And he is so good in anything that he's in. He's just very charismatic. And uh, he really like put this movie on his back. I mean, this was a star role for him. And yeah. uh, I thought he killed it. I thought he is just a great mix of goofball with uh with real and I love him. So Chris Pratt, you get my MVP of the week and uh Odin Kirk, you better call Saul because that <laughs> trophy's coming in the mail for whooping ass on that bus. Yeah, we'll we'll send it as soon as we get confirmation of season five's release date. Yeah, come on. Or season six, come on, that. Bob. Come on, Bob. Case, and that's all we got for episode 25. It was a fun one. Uh, I think we're both tired from the long weekend. We're going to wrap it up. But uh, anything you have to say before we sign off? No, man, that's it. Now I'm just uh, now I'm just in the mood to talk about Marvel for another five hours. Hey, next week, Case and Black Widow review. We're coming yes. in hot. Let's see. I'm going to be brutally honest. If it was whack, I'm going to say it was whack. Yeah. Well, we'll see how long we uh, can limit ourselves to talking about Florence Pugh. Ooh, I can't wait, <laughs> Kazen. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Kazen, thanks for joining me tonight, uh, and I will see you next week. Sounds good. See you later. Good night.